1: of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, Kevin. Hello, Zach. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm a little tired, but I'm doing great. Uh, so you went on uh, you went on a weekend, long weekend trip recently, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why I'm a little tired. Um, my <laughs> wife and I um, decided, um, really last minute, to take a road trip with our three-month-old, three-and-a-half-month-old, and uh, and when I say road trip, I mean a six-hour drive um, to the North Coast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, up until that point, uh, road trip meant like maybe an hour tops, not six hours. But uh, it was cool. It was really, it was special. Um, I hadn't, i have been up maybe once or twice to the North Coast of California, kind of close to the Oregon border. And so seeing big trees was, you know, a fun experience. But I'll tell you, holding a baby, albeit a baby who's worn out because the baby's been, you know, in a car for six hours.
1: Oh, so you guys drove straight to the trees. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Straight to the trees. So we had maybe two stops.
1: There's no nap Tops. time. No, no yeah. nap time in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of... A lot of singing songs, <laughs> um, and not like common, you know, fun alt rock songs. But I mean, like, like old, like you know, the itsy bitsy spider type stuff.
1: Jesus loves me, of
0: yeah, course. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This, we'll throw a couple of yeah, the yeah. staples of our the, faith, the staples of our faith, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so uh, so mixed in with itsy bitsy spider, um, of course. We gotta we gotta teach the kid, um, you know, determination or whatever that song. He, just, <laughs> he gets back up again, man yeah keeps going keeps on
1: going, keeps on going,
0: which is uh yeah, an encouragement to our faith and keep going um anyway so so uh we we you know we're hiking around, and uh i'll I'll say the the kind of most special moment of the whole the whole trip was was holding Sebastian, which is my son's name, and watching him kind of take in his surroundings and it's all new right so for me i mean i've been up there before but you know the places that we went were were new places but i still had a reference like this is what a tree looks like and this tree is a bigger tree but for him he has no reference right and and what, what i loved about it was uh was seeing the look on his face as he looked up not at light bulbs and fan blades he looked up at gigantic trees and i just thought his eyes are full of wonder and and that's that's how i want to be you know i want to be i want to be taking in god's creation with f- wonder um right. and 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 i want to worship him just like a child um like a like a child who is taking in this stuff for the first time you know jesus makes all things new and and i i think so often i i put i put kind of those i don't know learning experiences that god kind of takes us through into little boxes of well relative to the last experience just like i look at trees like the size of this tree relative to this tree but uh but a baby but sebastian oh man he's just full of wonder with everything we i want to be full of wonder of everything i don't just want my worship to be expressed or or i don't want to just exalt him in in, in just you know i don't know parts of my day um, but i want to be exalting him through
1: everything that's awesome well cool i'm glad you had fun oh yes yeah all right well why don't we get in the show and uh we're going to be interviewing leonard lee all right, welcome to the Ministry Growth Show. Uh, this is Zach and Kevin. Hello. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be interviewing Leonard Lee of Link Ministries. Uh, and so Leonard is on with us today. Thank you, Leonard, for being here.
2: Glad to be here, guys.
1: Yeah, and uh, so Leonard, you and I go back a little bit. Uh, my, You were best friends with my uncle, um, and so growing up, we didn't hang out a lot, but I kind of uh, you kind of know knew me. I knew I knew about you, um, but uh, we got connected recently, and uh, we've been working with your ministry for the last couple months. Uh, why don't you tell us about Link Ministries and and what God is doing through you um, with All that right. ministry?
2: Well, Link Ministries is kind of a uh, disciple making strategy where we uh, seek to uh, train people uh, in, in in biblical skills, biblical knowledge ministry skills and teach them to train other people who train other people so that we create a ripple effect of disciple making, whether it's in pastoral skills primarily or in uh, uh, specific ministry skills, uh, Bible study knowledge, uh, a whole variety of things. And so that's kind of our focus.
1: And you guys are primarily working with uh, national uh, missionaries, so so people who live within the country that you're serving, correct?
2: Exactly. Our focus uh, primarily is indigenous pastors and leaders uh, in Africa, India, and uh, South America.
1: Awesome. And so Leonard, for all our listeners, just got back from India a week ago, Leonard, correct?
2: Uh, a week ago, yes. Okay, cool.
1: Yes. So, tell us a little bit about that trip. What were you guys doing over there?
2: Well, we had uh, we had three different conferences in five days. We did a two-day marriage conference. We had a couple hundred uh, folks there, and uh, we were the first Westerners to ever lead a marriage conference in that region. And uh, we had uh, men and women sitting together in church, which is they always sit on opposite sides. They were holding hands. They were telling each other they loved each other. Uh, one wife said, this is the first time since we've been married that I heard my husband say he loved me. Uh, another pastor said, um, I have been beating my wife and I find that I am ashamed of myself and I want to change everything about my life. And so it's great fruit. We did a uh, women's leadership conference, teaching women to make disciples who also make disciples. And uh, we had about 60, 70 women involved in that conference. And, uh, most of the women, um, a large number of them cannot read. And so a lot of story driven, a lot of, uh, written out, storyboard, women memorizing stories and writing the stories of the scriptures so they could tell Jesus stories to Hindu and Muslim friends. Uh, incredibly exciting. And then I took a group of about 55, 60 pastors through three days of uh, how to study your Bible, how to get the most out of the Bible. Most of them have about a 10th grade education and have, have never actually learned anything about Bible study skills and to see them sitting in groups and, and learn and practicing uh, biblical studies to discern a text, to read it, to study it, to pull the meaning out of the text versus add instead of add the meaning to the text. Incredible. Incredible. And then I had chances chance to be in a church uh, while I was there, made up primarily of, um, of, uh, of uh, uh, ex-Hindus. And uh, when I wow. got there, they said, could you address… Uh, the fact that many of the folks in this church uh, are still worshiping idols. And so I had a chance to uh, to walk them through a process of understanding what it means to be uh, Christ-only as my salvation. And uh, at the end, we had about 25 families uh, committed to burning their idols, which is huge because that's family heritage they're getting rid of. Right. Um, and then uh, we had about 40 different folks in the church come to me and say, we have been praying for four months for someone like you to come along and just teach us this from the Word of God. So exciting! Exciting trip.
1: That's awesome. So, are, are you guys working with uh, a ministry on the ground while you're there?
2: We work with Kashmir Evangelical Fellowship while we're there, and uh, and then a few local churches. All of which I could never pronounce the names because it's <laughs> the J's and H's together make a K sound. <laughs>
1: yeah definitely um, that's that's awesome exciting to see what the Lord's doing through you guys. Um, how long is uh, tell me about your the how how your ministry came to be what was the maybe the Lord's original call on your life and um, how it, how it grew to where it is now
2: well my my story starts out uh, I knew I was called to be in the ministry from the time I was a little kid pursued the ministry uh, in college. Uh, high school, college, all the way through. Um, After about uh, 18, 20 years of being a senior pastor and church planner, uh, my wife and I began to pray, God, what would you do with us if you gave us 35 more years to serve you? And uh, recognizing that we would rather serve Jesus uh, somewhere um, than just say welcome to Walmart and push carts at that age. (laughs) And uh, the Lord just began to uh, stretch us that was in 2010 that summer i sat down uh in swaziland near south africa and i was training a group of pastors um on disciple making and uh as i was sitting there the holy spirit just said this is the answer to what you've been praying for Mm. i want you to train pastors and uh i called my wife right after that and she said let's do it and uh, i resigned my church uh, a few months later and uh, launched Link Ministries in January of 2011, and now here we are.
1: So, so as you guys have uh, entered into that obedience and um, started this ministry, uh, were some of the hardest parts just stepping out in faith and and starting the ministry, or, or have there have there been other struggles along the way that um, you came up with and like, man, we had no idea this was this was going to be a struggle or a, a challenge. Uh, can you share with us just? some of the, the difficulties that you've had growing and, and jumping out into this, this obedience?
2: Well, I'll tell you sometimes when, uh, I think about sacrifice and, and the things that uh, God has led us to do, I feel kind of embarrassed because the joy and the, and the fruit of what he's done in our lives in the last five years, it doesn't even feel like sacrifice. Um, mm. but when we began this ministry, uh, The economy in 2011 was pretty bad. We were going to have to go raise all of our support. And so in 2011, we went almost six months without a paycheck, cashed in our retirement, uh, sold all of our stuff, uh, began to sell all my tools, sold our home uh, just to get this thing off the ground. Um, And uh, from that point on, it has been – It has just been exciting to see God open door after door after door. And so I I think our struggles have not been, um, have not been, uh, they're light momentary afflictions compared Mm -hmm. to what God has been doing around the world.
1: That's awesome. So you guys, I mean, you completely went all in.
2: I, I don't really know how to do anything else uh, you know it, when guy calls you go and you go until the there's nowhere else to go
1: can you share some of maybe your uh maybe successes what you guys have be after stepping out in faith um, maybe some things that um didn't happen until you stepped out in faith until you got into um what you where you are now uh, the successes that the lord has brought out of your ministry and just your obedience to, to step into this
2: calling? I think some of the, some of the things that God has brought about just as an, uh, as a part of the process of obedience is uh, um, it's just a sense of confidence in God. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you can't undersell when a man loses confidence in God. He, he he has, he just has to compensate in other ways. And uh, we just have this incredible confidence that if God asks it, we can do it. And so for us, as we stepped out in faith, as we walked forward, uh, some of the benefits, uh, like I said, have been confidence in God. Uh, the pluses have been that my whole family has joined in. My kids, uh, they're 21 and 23, but they have, uh, my daughter's actually been to more countries than states. Um, my son has been to India several times. We have friends all over the world. Uh, our lives are rich and filled with Christ centered believers in, uh, all, in all parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And so he's just made us incredibly rich in faith and in life. But I probably think the greatest benefit, uh, has been, uh, just the, I, I feel like I have the best seat in the house, uh. You know, it's there's I'm in the front row of the best theater and it's God's theater and I can see everything that God is putting in front of us. And um, I always ask myself, what in the heck am I doing here? (laughs) Uh, How did this happen? I'm uh, I'm just this, you know, kid from Orangevale, California. How did that happen? Uh, And I'll be sitting in this mud hut in the middle of Nigeria Training a group of pastors, and I think, wow, God, you really can work miracles. Um, and that probably the, the greatest benefit, to be honest with you guys, is to see that we have never brought God anywhere; we've only met Him places. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, He is everywhere. We go to places, and we see. Uh, we, we I feel like I'm in the tall grass with these mm. folks. Their their faith is strong, and so we get to come along and do something incredibly personal incredibly Mm -hmm. practical uh with what god has given us to share and uh, to see that change lives is is that's probably the best the best uh benefit the greatest reward
1: when you uh you guys have stepped out in faith and and been obedient to his call and i mean his his call for us to go and and share his his good news and um, go to the nations is not one of um, just because just for the sake of it, because he wants us to be obedient, but he's asking, ask, actually calling us into this um, redemption of humanity and allowing us to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really cool when you, when you do that and you, you are obedient to step out in, into that calling. He, uh, it's crazy the the stuff he does. Like it, it's for our ultimate joy that he asks us to be a part of that um, that story. And so that's it, really cool that you guys are um, have stepped out into that and and are are getting to be a part of, like you said, on the front lines of what God's doing um, for humanity. Yeah, and I think that Zach and I t- have talked a couple of times
0: about just the way uh, how easy it is potentially for for, uh, you know, going on a missions trip or, or starting a ministry, uh, going abroad and not, um, not going there with the appropriate lens, but you so perfectly worded it like that rather than bringing Christ to these locations, meeting Christ at those locations, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a, um, you know, like, we we as believers um, have opportunities to share in that um, share in, in in those opportunities that uh, that God gives us. That God that God does the work. You know we're we're just we're just there to to be able to witness it. So uh, your humility and and that picture
1: was I think
0: it was beautiful. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, Leonard obviously uh, running a, a 501c3 nonprofit organization isn't free uh, and so fundraising is a big part of it it's a necessity uh, can you guys can you share a little bit about how you guys handle uh, fundraising uh, and and growing a successful ministry from a financial standpoint maybe um, some tools that you use or some techniques that you have uh, that maybe could help some of our listeners
2: you know i I would be glad to let me say first of all that that our ministry is unique in that um, uh, we're not Compassion International, we're not World Vision, right. we're not God-starving children. And so I can't appeal to your uh, to your tender side and show you a picture of a starving kid and say, please, please help this child for 38 cents a day. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I show you a, a grizzled old pastor who is – uh, serving two churches while I'm while working his farm. And you look at him and you think, that's just a regular guy. He, I wouldn't even know he's a pastor. And so there's no compassion driven by our images uh, of the people that we serve. And so what I had to figure out was, I had to figure out how to tell a story mm-hmm. and what would be the story. And uh, what I've discovered over the time is that, the story that we want to do is we want to connect, um, the story of a pastor. That's their story. Uh, their story in, in that they might serve two, three churches, uh, in Swaziland, the pastors I met uh, buried between five and eight people a week because Mm. of AIDS. Uh, they're the working poor. So I want to tell their story. I want to tell the story of my friend and, in nigeria who has a scar that wraps all the way around his neck where it was uh, his head was almost removed by muslims Mm. just because he was on the wrong street uh i want to tell you those kinds of stories of pastors who would walk 10 12 kilometers through the mountains through a jungle just to tell the good news to a village and so we want to tell their story we also want to tell our story um Uh, Our story is God calling us. It's just God using regular people to do his work. Uh, We're trying to tell our story. And so the two stories we're we're trying to blend is their story and our story. And then the third story is God's story. Mm -hmm. Um, When we started, I knew for a fact we had to get overseas as quick as possible and do training. And so we literally emptied our bank account. I remember uh, being in India, uh, calling my wife. Uh, we were in Punjab, and I'm calling my wife from this room, and I left her with about $12.41 in the bank because uh, I had to drain our bank account just to get to India so we could train pastors. And so we needed to, we needed to be able to serve in order to find out how God was going to write those stories. Um, so there's their story, there's our story, and then there's God's story. And when and then the final piece is is I want to tell your story uh, as we're talking i want to sh- I want to show you how you can be a part of what God's doing and so when we raise our funds we try to blend those four stories the story of pastors our story uh, God's story what he's doing and then your story and mix them all together so that you become a part of the grand narrative of what God's doing and and figure out how, how you can contribute to that
0: that's beautiful. Uh, I, I, I think I think you kind of hit on just that. You know, gospel sharers are the ultimate storytellers. We tell the ultimate story um, in 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 those those areas. It makes a lot of sense. But but how do you, do you tell the stories?
1: So are you guys are you guys going door to door, church to church, yeah. building relationships with other pastors and other ministries uh is it is it a network of people that you've you've built up over the years of being a pastor how are you guys getting that story or those stories out to your audience and out to your supporters
2: well the first thing i do is i take a long nap (laughs) and god God lowers down on a sheet supporters Uh, no no um what (coughs) excuse me what i do is um as I as I do a thing called name storming, uh, I think of everybody I know anywhere I know them, and uh, it could be my cousin twice removed on my grandmother's cousin's side. Uh, it could be my neighbor who was uh, from fourth to seventh grade. He I mowed his yard. It doesn't matter, and I start making lists, and then I categorize those story those those names into groups of of. Uh, easy and very likely that's low hanging fruit, easy to pick Mm -hmm. a little bit more work. Got to climb a tree, got to shake the branches and then uh, the top of the tree kind of fruit. And so those three categories, what I begin to do then is I begin to uh, make appointments and I try to meet with between uh, three and seven people a week just to talk to them. I call them on the phone. I tell them what I'm doing. I say, Hey, listen, we're working in ministry. Uh, and I want to talk to you about it I'm excited about the work and we meet with them we talk with them and then when I'm done I invite them I say would you would you consider uh, prayerfully consider becoming a part of our team uh, through financial support and through prayer um, if they're not ready to do that right then and there uh, I always say hey, can I get back to you in a couple of days mm-hmm. and uh, and when I get back to them uh, usually in a couple of days it's Uh, we get, sometimes we get yeses, sometimes we get no's, sometimes we get, uh, folks who say we're just not ready to do anything yet. Um, but I've discovered that, um, if you don't ask, you don't get, so we are, uh, we're committed to ask, uh, we, on a personal level, there's no beggar mentality in what we do. You know, Jesus drew his support from a group of women, uh, who gave and supported his ministry, it's a noble thing. It's an honorable thing. Um, I take the mentality that I'm rescuing people dollars. Uh, they're going to spend $100 a month easily on on mochas, on ice cream, on a burger, on fries, on a pack of gum and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I, and it'll be gone. I'm saying let me have that $100 and we'll invest it together in something that will last forever, something that will make an eternal difference Uh, Something that when you stand in front of the father, he's going to smile at you and say, that's what I gave you that hundred bucks for. And so we are we're confident enough to be able to say that to people. Of course, we want to do it respectfully. Right. Uh, You know, we're not you know, we don't run around with our hand out, but no beggar mentality. In what we do and how we ask, we're very confident. Um, I think any executive director who is not willing to ask Uh, people to support and join their team uh, either has to learn how to do it and become willing and recognize it's a joyful part of the ministry Mm -hmm. Uh, or they need to um, possibly uh, consider whether they should be an executive director because it's about 70% of my job in the U.S. when I'm stateside, about 70% of my job is uh, fundraising.
1: Right. Man, so I mean, you guys are just out there hustling. But, I mean, well, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> uh,
2: hustling sounds uh, uh, sounds uh, uh, <laughs>
1: that that does have a different connotation to it. <laughs> working, working, working really hard is is yeah, yeah. is the direction I'm going non- for. <laughs> nonstop, right? The the
0: the nonstop, um, like relentless, uh, uh, yes, kind of pursuit yes. of and 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 unashamed. Pursuit of you know getting support and and knowing where that support is going,
2: absolutely. And I think some of that is just being confident that that uh, what you're doing works. And right. so the the more we do, the more we see fruit. The more stories we hear of pastors. Uh, you know, I'm in the middle of Nigeria and I'm doing a training on on how to study your Bible, and this man is just writing like crazy and he uh, he says afterwards i said i said sir it seems like this was a good s- session for you he says i have never heard any of this before this changes everything in how i read my bible
1: wow
2: and uh one of the pastors uh in niger when i was there the oldest pastor in the room i finished doing a a lesson on a training on on biblical hermeneutics and he said i have something to say now he's saying it in hausa so I'm counting on my translator to to be gentle with me, because um, I have something to say to this man and uh, to all of you. And I'm thinking, oh no, I've I've ruined everything. All of Niger is is going to be broken because of me. And with tears in his eyes, he says, "I'm getting, the first thing I do when I leave here is I'm going to go apologize to my church oh, because wow. I have not spoken the word of God to them in the way it should be." Hmm. Well, when you see that kind of fruit, you see that kind of ripple effect. And I want to run home and tell you that story. And I want to say, you know, I can train a pastor for a week for $34 in Nigeria. Uh, That's fooding. That's fooding. That's food, housing. (laughs) uh, That is a little bit of help for his travel. And that's four and a half days of training with training materials, $34. That's Uh, awesome. It's incredible,
1: yeah, that's crazy so are you guys are you guys building a, a curriculum that you're teaching over there are you how how is that what does that look like
2: uh we are We have um, uh, to start this ministry, I did about two hundred hours of interviews with pastors in uh, Mexico, in uh, two countries in Africa in um, uh, in India and in uh, South America. And I asked them to tell me what they're doing well, to tell me where all their successes are. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, if you could add to your successes, what kind of training would even add to your successes? Because I didn't want to sit and talk about problems and only do training from the perspective of solving their problems. Right. And they, they began to say things like, well, if we understood our Bibles better, you know what, if we knew how to find leaders better. Uh, if we knew how to encourage our people to study their Bibles or to read them or, uh, or whatever the, the challenges or whatever their successes were. From that, uh, we developed five basic trainings that we do, and they all come from what Paul told Timothy. Paul told Timothy to watch your life, watch your doctrine, fan your gifts to flame, What I've taught you, you teach others who will teach others. Mm -hmm. And pay attention to how the church functions. In these five areas, uh, we do training in those five areas. So it takes us about two and a half years in one location to get through all five trainings. Each one is a week long. Uh, And once we've gotten through them, we'll often have to go back and redo some of it just because there's language barriers, there's education barriers, there's cultural barriers. And so sometimes— We'll, we'll do the same exact training two times in a row in the same area just to make sure it sticks, to make sure it's understood. That's awesome. So,
1: I want to, I want before we end, I want to dive into this discipleship making um, approach. You guys, <clears throat> so we, just so our listeners know, we have, um, we've traveled with Leonard uh, before in the past and so had the, had an opportunity just to talk with Leonard and um, see his approach to disciple making. Um, And Leonard, you got, you guys are kind of doing something unique uh, in your approach to disciple making. Can you, can you share a little bit about that approach, how you guys go about teaching your pastors um, that it's, and, and anybody that comes to your conferences and teachings that it's, um, I, I think you could say it better than me, but can you just dive into that approach a little bit more in detail?
2: Uh, I, think, I think I understand your question. Let me, uh, let me tackle it. And if I'm not, then just redirect me to what, you're, what you really want to hear. Perfect. Um, uh, we ask every pastor who comes and, and receives our training um, to, to pay it forward. And so any pastor who comes in, we ask them to make a commitment to train in three different spheres. The first sphere that they would train in would be other pastors that they know. Um, to take what we've taught them and to teach that to other pastors. The second sphere would be in the framework of their leaders in their church, maybe their elders, their other pastors, maybe uh, some of their key leaders, and train them in the materials that we've given them. And then the third sphere is in their own church with their own people, raising the spiritual IQ of their folks uh, so that they create a stronger force of disciples. And so, Everybody who, who comes and trains with us uh, is, is requested and even held accountable to, mm. to the degree that we can um, to, uh, uh, to train and to um, add uh, or to, add, to, to pay it forward to other people. And uh, so we're asking them to do that. They actually sign a covenant with us. And then we try to set up a local indigenous structure that makes sense for the people. Um, so whether it's cell phones, group, calling groups of five, however that works. And so that's, that's a part of what we do in terms of the disciple making process, um, paying it forward, continuing to stay in, because that creates a ripple effect that keeps going and keeps going. We also ask them to ask the people that learn to continue to do the same thing each one of them would find one more person. And so to this day, I think we've worked with about almost 8,000 pastors and leaders. Personally, I have in five years, mm-hmm. those 8,000 pastors and leaders, uh, have worked with about, uh, they verified back to me about five to 6,000, uh, other pastors and leaders. Wow. And so that's between 13 and 14,000 people, who have been trained as a part of our ripple effect that involves 79 conferences in other countries in the last five years as well. Well, if you take that out, that's almost 21 to 22,000 churches that are being influenced now.
1: With Who knows um, how many people within each congregation.
2: Exactly. And that, that moves, you know, into the realm of possibly millions of people being impacted and I think that's the exponential nature of disciple making. Right. It's it's not fast and it shouldn't be. You don't make disciples overnight. You make them over a process. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the other thing that we try to try to focus on is that systems don't make disciples. People disciples make disciples. Right. Systems ensure that disciple making is effective. So you need both. That's good. And so that that's kind of our is that is that what you're asking me Zach?
1: Yeah and and one of the things that struck me when you when you were telling when you were talking about your approach when we were together um is that Jesus had his 12 but he really spent a lot of time with three and and invested in three um three men more than more than the rest. And so your your approach what uh, how you were explaining it was um a little less daunting. I mean, I I grew up in the church, and um, you get told every every Sunday like we need to be out sharing the gospel with anybody and everybody you know. Um, but that's uh, that's like yes to that, but it's that's a daunting task. Like, okay, how do I do that? But what, how you were explaining it was breaking it down into a simple, easy to digest. Okay, I can I can handle three, like b- investing in three people and, and really diving down deep. Because uh, again, we're not trying to make converts, right? We're trying to make disciples. That's the call. Uh, so that's that's that. I think that's um, what struck me about your approach more than anything else I've heard growing up was like the focus on just a few and really dive deep into that, those few relationships. And, and you'll see more ex- exponential growth through that process
2: absolutely which kind of absolutely. seems backwards right well it doesn't it's not it's not uh you know and i, I you can edit this out if you like it's not all that sexy yeah yeah yeah,
0: right? yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna you say know
2: that. yeah it's 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 kind of grunt work it's not glamorous you know jesus by all by all measures of of western faith was kind of a loser uh, you know, he, he had, he had 12 guys. One of them betrayed him. They all ran away. Uh, and the sum total of his ministry when he ascended into heaven was 120 people in a room going, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Well, let's just pray. And, and, and yet those, he, he taught those people so well, mm-hmm. you know, in John 17, uh, I'm going to paraphrase what Jesus says in his prayer. He says, okay, Father, they're ready. They're game ready. Put them in. It's time to play. Uh, I've taught them everything they need to know about you. I've taught them everything they need to know about me. I've taught them everything they need to know about what the mission is. They're ready. And so Jesus obviously had a plan. Mm -hmm. To be able to declare them ready uh, and game ready, it means that they had prepared, that he had prepared them, but I think that it's just not all that pretty. It's not fast. It's hard to. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to make a living saying, "Yep, my my group is uh, my group is three people." Mm-hmm. You know, that's how many I work with. Uh, but I think over time, if your group is three and you work well with those three, that group becomes six. Mm-hmm. That group becomes twelve. That group becomes twenty-four. That group becomes forty-eight. And it doesn't take that long and all of a sudden, um, like I said, you know, how, how does how does one guy in in Roseville, California, uh, say in five years, we've influenced potentially one and a half million people with the gospel? Um, well, we've done it through disciple making. It's mm-hmm, exponential. Yeah. We we make disciples, we train pastors who train pastors, yeah. who train pastors. Let me clarify one thing though. Um, uh, God's the one who always brings the harvest. Right. We we have no power for that. Uh, my job is to pull weeds and plant seeds. Uh, that's all I do. God brings a harvest, and then um, at the end of the day, um, we we have we've given discipleship its own little entity. But discipleship needs to be broken down one more step you know i do discipleship well what does that really mean Mm. Uh, well i think it means this and i think it means this because of jesus discipleship is nothing more and has never been anything more than to teach people how to follow jesus jesus said follow me i will make you fishers of men and so we preach on following we preach on fishing but those four words sandwiched in between might be the most overlooked words in the Bible. I will make you. That's disciple making. Discipleship mm. is just teaching people how to follow. And when they have learned how to follow, they become something. They don't do something. Mm. They become fishers of men. And, and so I don't, I don't fish uh, because it's a hobby. I fish because it's who I am. He's right. made me into something. And that transformation is is the fruit of discipleship. Now you're going to make me preach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the goal, Leonard. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Well, thank, that's that's awesome. Um, I think that this is going to be a ton of value to our listeners. Thank you so much for uh, for being on the show and investing some of your time in, in helping us uh, help other ministries grow. Uh, this has been awesome, Leonard. We really appreciate your time. Uh, before we get off the call, can we... Can we pray for you and Link Ministries real quick?
2: Hey, that would be awesome. Pray for me. I'm I'm heading into Africa in uh, just about uh, six weeks, and uh, we're going to work with over 500 pastors and leaders in four different conferences. We're going to be in Nigeria and in Niger. Uh, we're going to be um, uh, doing biblical foundations training, which always uh, lights them on fire in such a great way. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. And so you can be praying for us in that trip.
1: Perfect. Yeah. All right, Father, thank you so much for uh, this, this time with Leonard and um, hearing about his ministry and what you're doing through his obedience to follow you and um, say yes to your call. Father, I pray that you would uh, just grow, link, and uh, work through Leonard in amazing ways, uh, in ways that only you can. I pray that you would go before him as... Um, we know you're already in Africa doing amazing things, and I pray that he would just meet you there um, and be a vessel for uh, growing your kingdom and, and redeeming humanity to your name and a right relationship with you, Father. We thank you so much for your love and your grace. You are good, and we love you. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Leonard. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch as you go out. Can, one last thing. Can you uh, share how people can get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, maybe invest in Link Ministries or hear more about what you guys are doing?
2: Absolutely. You can uh, you can go to our website, uh, linkministries.com, and uh, there's contact there. You can give there. You can invest in our ministry there. Uh, we keep it fairly minimal because people who we serve, uh, if somebody finds that website and sees what we're doing in other countries, it puts them at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we keep it fairly minimal. But you can get us there. Uh, You can call me, 916-835-6360. You can text. You can send up a smoke signal. (laughs) Find me on on Facebook. Uh, You can pretty much, uh, uh, anywhere there's coffee, I will be there. And uh, I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you. I'd also be glad to to encourage and coach anyone along the way um, uh, who's, who's, who's working on uh, their step of faith and saying, man, I, I think God's saying something to me. Um, what's next? And uh, if I can uh, provide just some insight, and encouragement for that, I'm always up for that.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you, Leonard. We really appreciate it. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the show.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, Leonard. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Growth Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Growth Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.